This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. All right, so if you're scoring at home, let's see, this week at the NFL Combine, there are two people on official Cardinals business who got contract extensions. And then there are two people at the combine on official Cardinals business who did not get contract extensions, at least as far as, unless we're breaking news here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you mm-hmm. by Pacific Office Automation. What I do know is that one group, one pair is here to talk about the other group, the other pair. And I'll let everyone decide for themselves where Darren Urban and Danny Sarek fall into that. And then along with that, I guess you could also say that um, there is the outlier of them all, uh, Pauly Podcast, who is not even invited to Indy. So I think you know where I stand in that whole equation right there. Uh, but I'll let you guys fill in the blanks. Darren, which to, pair? To be I, fair, I know Paul, which pair I want Yeah, be. I was going to say. To, to be fair, Paul, uh, there's lots of people here on official Cardinals business that did not knock at contract extensions besides Danny and I, uh, even be beyond our own department. So I, I don't want to slight all the other many Cardinals employees that did not get extensions, but certainly uh, it has been it has been a good as we record this day for Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime for getting their contract extensions through the 2027 season. It is true, Danny. You know, I, I guess I was I was focusing on the two in the headlines and then the two here on Cardinals Underground. I, I don't, I'd be remiss if I didn't go ahead and cite, you're right, Team Cardinals and how, uh, what, I mean, how many folks do you run into, Danny, out there? You got scouts, you got other, you know, staffers. So uh, you guys have company in Indy so far, I, I imagine. Yeah, there's a good amount. Uh, there's probably a solid, I would imagine, Darren, 10 to 15 just from the Cardinals scouting and coaching staff, at least out here, our group, we've got four people. Uh, it's just a matter of kind of running into them and we're working in a different spot. But yeah, there's definitely a good amount of Cardinals representation. Out well, there's, here in there's, and there's much more than 10 to 15. I mean, I would anticipate all the coaching staff gets out here. Uh, I, most of the scouts, uh, the, the front office is, is fairly big. I saw uh, in our hotel this morning, I saw um, Carter from the football IT department and Buddy Morris, everybody's favorite strength and conditioning coach. So uh, there, there's a there's a large group of Cardinals out here. Again, I'm sure they're all hoping for raises. Uh, they're just we all haven't gotten them yet, yet, yet. <laughs> exactly. Uh, was Buddy wearing sleeves, or need I ask? Uh, you know what? Um, I think he had a jacket on. He was in the lobby. He didn't see me, and I was uh, on my way out the door, so I didn't get a chance to talk to him. Uh, but I, I do think he had a jacket on. So, I mean, it's it's not quite – it's in, incredibly mild here, 
Uh, I believe the high is supposed to climb into the 60s, the low 60s, which is incredible for the combine. Now, we are here uh, a week or two later than we have been in the many years in the past that I've been here. So maybe that's it. But uh, I was expecting it to be a lot colder than it is. Yeah, it's pretty nice out right now. I just I was outside walking around, grabbing something to eat, and I had to take my, my jacket off. It's beautiful out right now. All right, I hate to say it, but they do say if you're talking about the weather, you have nothing else to say. And we certainly have a lot more to cover here on Cardinals Underground. So let's just get right to it. Danny, uh, did you or did you not see the headline coming today that Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime have been extended through 2027? How about that? Yeah, that's that's wild. I was not expecting to see that today. I think of all days, uh, especially after we got it. You know, after the chance, we got to hear from them on the podium. But very exciting, nonetheless. Um, I'm sure that also adds, you know, some confidence to some degree as you're trying to build a Super Bowl winning team. Now that you know that you know the owner believes in you and your vision and what you've done up until this point, and you know, Steve Kime even said earlier this week, he's always looking three years in advance when it comes to players and contracts and all of that. So now knowing he has a long-term deal, I would imagine that stability adds a little bit of maybe relief as you're, you know, working towards those goals as well. Darren, your reaction? Uh, you know, obviously I'm surprised. I mean, you're, you're in a situation where they talk on the podium yesterday, you're, you're certainly not expecting news the very next day to come out about contracts. Um, you know, I, I think, I think this is a, a, a hat tip to stability, to be honest, Paul. I mean, ultimately, if you look at a lot of the, the better long-term organizations, they get there because they have stability in their front office. They have, they get, get there because they have stability uh, in their coaching staff. Uh, obviously the Cardinals went through, some rough times there at the end of the Bruce Arians era. And then of course, Steve Wilkes before Cliff Kingsbury came in and it's tough when you're making a lot of coaching changes to have sustained success. And I, I think that's part of it. And the same thing goes with general manager. I mean, I just wrote it in the mailbag. Look, I understand there are critics of Steve Kime. I understand that he's acknowledged himself uh, some of the things he needs to work on and how he wants to maybe draft a little bit better. But I, you could also make an argument if you look over the years, and I understand, you know, how the history of this franchise has been, but you could argue that Steve Keim is one of the most accomplished, if not the most accomplished general manager in the history of this franchise, given the, the things that he's been able to do and, and the, the rough spots, quite frankly, the organization has had. So um, I'm not completely surprised on that point. They dovetail together uh, with through 2027, both of them, and, I guess now the next question is, is what happens with Kyler Murray? Um, but if you believe that Kyler Murray is your quarterback of the future and you believe that uh, Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury are the guys to, to lead them there, then this makes a lot of sense. And if you believe that Kyler Murray was one of the main reasons that Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime have been extended, then maybe it's a package deal. We'll see. Now, it's totally different for a head coach and a general manager to receive a contract extension because you don't have to worry about the salary cap. You can pay them whatever you want, whenever you want, and there's no ramifications. In fact, I wouldn't be shocked if in, you know, in the future we learn that one of the reasons when the time was now was, oh, I don't know if maybe Sean McVay is about to reset the benchmark, 
reset the head coaching market if he's going to be successful in leveraging Amazon against the Rams and Stan Kroenke's going to pay him $15 million a year. Maybe Michael Bidwell saw that coming and said, you know what, maybe I should get my two key decision makers under contract under today's terms instead of future terms, and that might pay off. There might be return on investment. And that's an initial thought I had in terms of the timing. The other is you mentioned the stability, the continuity. When one plus one equals three, you got to capitalize on that. You know, you don't, when you realize, okay, we have two guys who work well together and aren't budding heads. We don't have Trent Balky and Jim Harbaugh in a worst case example. So if you have that, you try and further that. I'm guessing that went into the equation and the decision as well. And, and then, you know what? You give the head coach that long-term security that goes over well in a locker room. It, 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 gives, him, it gives him that standing, I think, in, in a locker room where you say, you know what? There's nobody in here under contract longer than yours truly. And it, that never hurts in terms of trying to uh, improve the standing and, and the prowess of a head coach among his players and in the locker room. And that's part of the evolution of the Cardinals head coach, you know, and going from maybe not as much as a player's coach to someone who's more of an authority figure. You need the contract to go along with that. And if that's something they've decided is part of the equation, especially in light of the last couple of years, uh, and the way the seasons have finished, I don't know, complete speculation. I think to me that's all goes into the decision to award them with long-term extensions. I agree. I mean, I, I think you made a lot of great points there, Paul. And, you know, I mean, again, you got, you had two guys, they did have a, um, they did have a team option for Cliff Kingsbury for next year, but Steve Kime was going in the last year of his contract um, you know, you don't like to be in lame duck situations. You don't want to be putting people in those spots. And, you know, so those things make sense. I, I know people have talked about the length of the deals, but I mean, if you believe in these guys right now, why wouldn't you give them longer deals? I, I guess that's kind of how I would look at it, Danny. I think too, when you look at the way with, since Kingsbury has been here, how this team has drastically improved not just from year one to now, but every single year in every facet of the game. I think that's probably a large part as to why owner Michael Bidwell believes in these two working together and looking at how far they've already come and how far this team can go. And Bidwell even credited in his statement, the leadership of Kime and Kingsbury that stood out as to why they were deserving of these extensions. So I think when you look at how far these two have come, how far this team has come, with these two working together and how well they've worked together. I agree with you, Jaron, why you have no reason to believe that's not going to be the case by 2027 as of right now. And of course, uh, those were the two featured press conferences as far as the Cardinals are concerned. Hey, at least they spoke to the media to start off the week, right? There was one team where no one was represented, the Patriots, correct? There, was, there wasn't a single decision maker who took the podium, but there was Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime and, uh, Darren, we know what the uh, topic du jour was, and it was the quarterback. And uh, just give us yeah. your takeaways from those two sessions. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, obviously, after the, the statement put out by Eric Burkhart, Kyler Murray's agent, and coincidentally, uh, Cliff Kingsbury's agent, uh, put out that statement on Monday. 
basically saying, you know, again, Kyler wants to be this quarterback of the team and he likes the fan base and he likes being in Arizona, but he wants to get his new contract and he wants to get that now. Um, you know, that put a spotlight on what Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime were going to talk about when they actually got up on the podium on Tuesday. And so the vast majority of the questions were about that. And they answered about how you'd expect. Um, and it, they're not wrong. I mean, they basically said that statement was part of the business. Uh, and that's, you know, that's the direction Eric Burkhart wanted to go and everybody handles it a little bit differently. And, um, you know, Steve Kime was making it very clear that you can't be in a situation where you, uh, take these things personally. Uh, and I, I think that's important. He brought up the DeAndre Hopkins contract. Now, that was obviously a different situation because DeAndre Hopkins doesn't have an agent. So he literally was across the table talking with DeAndre Hopkins himself about what kind of contract he wanted to give the wide receiver. That, that's got potential of danger through no fault of Steve Kime, and that's just how it went. And he said it worked out well, and they did both did a good job. And I think ultimately that's the tact he's trying to take. You, you, if you start taking things personally when it comes to contracts in professional sports, and it, this goes well beyond the Cardinals or even the NFL, uh, you're going to get in, pro, uh, in trouble. And obviously that can happen. We've all seen it happen uh, in various shapes and forms, again, across professional sports. Uh, but that's what you're trying to avoid. And, and hopefully that's, that's a place they can land with Kyler Murray is that, you know, they can continue to have discussions. Um, however, this plays out. And as Steve Kime said, he's going to keep it totally confidential. We'll see what happens on Kyler's side of the fence with that. But um, the Cardinals aren't going to be talking about it in public because again, they want to have these discussions uh, go off without a bunch of noise on the outside. Something else that stood out was Kime and Kingsbury were also quite clear and their pressers that they communicate with Kyler frequently. They both still have great relationships with him and are talking with him consistently. Kime was asked in regards to Kyler Murray and this contract situation, would they pick up the fifth year option if it came to that? That deadline is in May. And Kime's response was absolutely. And that's something that stood out to me if it comes to that point. Yeah. And I would, I would say on that too, um, in, in a lot of ways, the fifth-year option, unless a player is really super struggled, the vast majority of the teams pick up the fifth-year option. That just makes a lot of sense. Um, it, it, you don't want to put yourself in a bad position without having it, but I don't know if that – I, I wouldn't necessarily draw a line directly between, you know, like Steve Kime saying we're going to pick up the fifth-year option and they are are not going to have this contract extension. I think if you get to May – It'd be like, let's, let's put it this way. It's like if you have another guy, like they did it with Chandler Jones a few years ago. I don't think they really wanted to franchise tag Chandler Jones after that first year. Uh, they were working towards an extension when the tag deadline came up, but they needed to put the tag on it just in case something happened and they weren't able to get the extension done. So they did the tag and a few couple months later, whatever it was, uh, they got the extension done. I don't know what's going to happen with Kyler Murray. Maybe he gets an extension, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Um, but no matter what, if there's not one done, like uh, Danny said, by the beginning of May, um, it'd quite frankly be malfeasance for an organization not to uh, exercise the option. Yeah, I mean, look, could they ride out this year and pay him $5 million plus and then ride out next year after picking up the fifth-year option, $11 million plus, and then maybe even tag him in year six? Sure, teams have done that. 
Then again, there have been six QBs to sign a long-term extension before their fourth year in the last decade. And I'd say those teams are batting 50%. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, yeah, well bought, right? Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Ryan Tannehill, not so much in terms of that long-term investment. I think there were three positive ROIs there, three negative. Ryan Tannehill might be somewhere in between. Uh, so I could see it going either way. I could see the Cardinals saying, well, the last game we saw him in action, arguably his worst game of his NFL career. Maybe we want to see a little bit more here in, in year four. Then again, <laughs> you guys have been to watch the highlight reel that was put out, I think, by the Cardinals and azcardinals.com. It was Kyler's top 10 plays of the season. When you watch that highlight reel, you are reminded of the singular talent that is Kyler Murray. And then you're reminded that he's 24 years of age. So if they were to step up next week, next month, sometime before the season opener, and all of a sudden there's a long-term $200 million plus extension, I wouldn't be shocked by that either. And based on how we hadn't heard anything about these contract extensions for Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury, if it comes out of left field, then guess what? Uh, they've obviously demonstrated they've been able to keep it under wraps, right? Although I would say, yeah. wouldn't you guys agree that there was probably a framework for the two extensions with the head coach and the GM at the point where the Cardinals started 7-0, and then they went to 10-2. and I'm guessing talks initiated, Darren, somewhere in late October, early November, perhaps, where ownership said, you know, we've got the best record in the NFL, and we might want to think about investing long-term in these two key figures within the organization. So I wouldn't be shocked if they said, hey, yeah, these talks really started sometime around the area where the Cardinals began 10 and 2. I, I don't know that for a fact. I mean, to, to, but the, the, the possibility of that, yeah, Paul. I mean, I, look, these, these things aren't, this isn't going to the grocery store and, and, and buying a contract off the shelf and you do it in two seconds. There, there are, there are, even if you do a boilerplate contract, they, there are still a lot of things that you've got to get figured out and lawyers have to look at, especially when you're talking about as much money as we're talking about. But uh, yeah, I, I would anticipate that these talks have been ongoing for a while. And, um, you know, it just it just struck me with everything that was said after the season about where everything was um, in terms of how the owner was kind of looking at things and the rumors out there and fans are like, you know, I, I thought this and that, and I'm like, that's the problem with rumors is you don't, you don't know if they're true or not. And these are the things that people want to talk about. And, you know, obviously Michael Bidwell was in a different frame of mind than people thought he was because otherwise he wouldn't be handing out extensions. I think, again, I think it shows where his trust is with these two men and, and we're going to see where it goes going forward. And look, those other six quarterbacks this decade, they got their deal done before their fourth season. To my recollection, none of those were negotiated in public, right? So, you know, I know there's a lot of speculation that maybe there's scorched earth between Kyler's agent and, and ownership. Well, guess what? That agent is also the representative for Cliff Kingsbury, and they just got a deal done. So uh, that doesn't preclude a long-term deal being done either. So, Danny, what else stood out from those uh, press conferences uh, there at the Combine in Indianapolis? Because there were other questions about other offseason topics, correct? 
Yeah, uh, mostly around free agency, you know, that plays a large role, you know, as we're here at the combine and, you know, getting ready for the draft free agency still plays a role in that of, you know, if the Cardinals are able to get deals done before the draft, does that affect the way that they're drafting and positions and players and things of that nature? Uh, Kingsbury was asked about the offense uh, and he took a lot of the blame for those offensive woes the second half of the season and said, he did not do a good enough job schematically to take pressure off of Kyler Murray when DeAndre Hopkins went down and that he needs to be more creative. And he said that even though this team has improved every year under him, he's still unhappy with how things finished and wants to make those big jumps this year. He praised Kyler Murray's leadership uh, and talked about how we, we know, guys, how competitive Kyler Murray is and said that the way the season ended, nobody's going to be more motivated by that than Kyler Murray. Um, Steve Keim really talked about free agency. You know, he said that he's always looking a good three years in advance and why the big name of right now with contract extensions is Kyler Murray. You know, he said there's a lot of players who have, are, you know, entering contract years who deserve to get a new contract. So there's, there's a lot of decisions going on and being made right now. And, you know, at the combine right now, sure, things are focused on the draft and those college prospects now. Uh, but he answered a lot about free agency and, and the fact that, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. The Cardinals have 21 unrestricted free agents, so he has his work cut out for him. Uh, and there, there's going to be a lot of decisions that have to be made. From what I've seen from the analysts based on this year's draft, and you guys are right there at the epicenter at the Combine here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Darren, it's not a draft, obviously, it's going to be known for quarterbacks. There may not be one taken in the first 15 picks we'll see about that uh it's not a draft that's really going to be known for running backs either it seems like it's more the lineman types uh, not as many receivers as in years past do you think there's a pattern to what the cardinals might target in the draft versus position groups in free agency just based on availability and supply this year well if we're t it's funny because when you talk about availability and supply, are you talking draft? Are you talking free agency? Because the other problem is, is that from most accounts and the line and the list that I've seen, this is also true. And again, as we get closer to free agency, we will see some of these guys resign, but it is not a strong free agent class uh, by most accounts. So being able to find a lot of uh, quality, fill-in jobs in terms of free agency might be a little bit more difficult than um than maybe some other years so do you have people in the draft that you think you might be able to get that will be better at certain spots than free agency i think that's that's a fascinating idea like take take wide receiver for instance uh so the cardinals have deandre hopkins they have uh rondale moore um do they bring aj green back I, I, I would, I would lean towards no on that. Would they like to bring Christian Kirk back? I mean, Steve Kime made that very clear that he'd love to have Christian Kirk here. I think that's going to be clearly a function of the market. You know, if some teams willing to pay Christian Kirk $12 million a year, I don't know if he's getting that from the Cardinals. Uh, but if you bring back Christian Kirk, that changes everything in terms of what you might look at free agency at a wide receiver and potentially what you might be in the draft. But I think I think they could use a, if they, you lose Christian Kirk and you don't have A.J. Green, you're going to need a couple receivers. Um, so do you get one in free agency and then one in the draft, hopefully? Um, you know, 
I just think it's, it's hard to get a handle uh, on what might happen, supply and demand or not, uh, without really knowing how this free agency plays out, especially knowing the Cardinals have so many of their own guys that could leave or maybe not. You know, I, Chase Edmonds is another great example. Like running backs don't usually make a lot of money on, on the free agent market. Does, is James Conner going to get a lot more out there? Then he might get from the Cardinals. What about Chase Edmonds? Or is Chase Edmonds going to have to do the one-year deal thing? Would Chase Edmonds rather play one year in Arizona than someplace else, all things being equal, even if he has to split times with James, time with James Conner? I mean, these are the things that we don't really know yet that I think will be answered in the next three weeks uh, pretty clearly. And, you know, I, I just – to me, Paul, it's really dangerous to go into a draft saying – I really want this position or this position. Now you're, you're kind of put in that place if you get through free agency and you're still missing stuff. But the whole idea of free agency is to try and put up enough holes that you can get the quote unquote best available player at the time. And I just don't think you want to be put in a spot, but I mean, if you start looking at draft, I'm thinking young edge rusher, young, big receiver, young offensive guard, uh, perhaps a defensive lineman. Those are the positions that, that really jump to mind when you talk about uh, the draft with me as of right now, and we'll see how that plays out. And you're right. If you go into the draft minus a Chandler Jones, for example, and now you have a serious dire need for an edge rusher. Well, that's a tell as well. You can go into a draft. Other teams know what you need. And all of a sudden you're sitting there at 23 and all, and then somebody jumps you and takes your guy, Danny. So that can happen as well. To Darren's point, you try and cover up as many of your weaknesses as possible so you're not showing your hand come the draft. Yeah, well, the other thing to, to keep in mind, too, is when Cliff Kingsbury was asked about the cornerback situation and what he saw from Marco Wilson as a rookie and with how well Byron Murphy played, he made it clear that that's an area that this team is focusing on because they want to be able to move Byron Murphy around a little more. But to me that would make more sense a position to look for someone in free agency, have more of a veteran presence in that position group and let Marco Wilson continue to grow in his second year. That to me would make, I think we're talking about positions of, okay, you might need to draft wide receivers or an edge rusher or things like that. To me, cornerback is one of those, one of those positions where if you have the right free agent out there, that would probably make more sense for that immediate impact for what they want to do at that position. Yeah, if you go all in with a big money deal to like a J.C. Jackson or, or maybe target the Seahawks, D.J. Reed, who, who had a nice year and is still only age 25, um, I, I agree. You know, that, that that's definitely an area. Um, how much better is Marco Wilson if he doesn't hit the rookie wall, if that's indeed part of what happened towards the end of this past season in, in year number two? To me, just my own personal opinion, we've been through this before, Darren, in, in years past. I just don't like the hit rate on round one receivers. It, too often, especially lately, you haven't been able to count on a round one receiver in year one. And, and honestly, there's a lot of names that stand out when it comes to free agent receivers. Now, a lot of these are big names who might end up under contract with their current team, guys like the Chargers, Mike Williams, or, or Allen Robinson, who underperformed in you know, a dysfunctional offense in Chicago this past year. And then there are injury situations. A Chris Godwin, obviously, is a huge name, but tore his ACL in December. Or a Michael Gallup, who suffered the ACL injury you know, in December against the Cardinals. Or maybe that was even early January, right, right towards the end of the season. Yeah. You know, a Juju Smith-Schuster's out there, had a down year. You know, I mean, 
Uh, how about a Will Fuller, who obviously played, you know, a D hop. He's a free agent, you know, from Houston. He's got issues, had the PED suspension this past year, a busted finger. It, DJ Shark, a guy who was really under impressed in Jacksonville this past year, but six foot four and with a rookie quarterback, I could see the Cardinals going after someone like him. You know, just to name some names in the free agent market. See, uh, the, the thing about receiver for me is that you're not, look, you're not getting Mike Williams or Chris Godwin because you're not paying another receiver like you're paying DeAndre Hopkins. You're not doing that. Now, could they get a, a shark or, uh, you know, a gallop? Perhaps. Um, the Gallup thing, I would think he's going to be on a one-year deal because he's going to want to rehab his, his self so he could get back on the free agent market and get the big deal he was hoping to get. Um, you know, so they, they, they might be short-term. Those make, a, those make more sense to me. But you're, you're not going to have two elite receivers that you got on the free agent market or in trade. I mean, teams that have two, two high-level receivers, elite receivers, they've drafted at least one of them. Because you're not you're not going out and paying that kind of money for two receivers like that right out of the box, and so that's that's where I think that comes from. I get what you're saying about the first round receivers. I would tend to doubt they would spend a first round pick on a receiver. But again, picking at 23, Paul, I think I think a lot of things are on the table for that first round that you might not think of if you're in the top 10 uh, that you might change your mind a little bit because. I think there's a chance there could be a high level receiver that sinks all the way to 23 because people think of the things that you say and then, okay, maybe we take that chance because again, if you're picking a 23 in the first round, you're also picking a 23 in the second round, which means if you think a guy is a mid round, second round guy, but you really, really like him, maybe you take him at 23 because he's not going to be there at 46, you know, that kind of thing. Well, let me ask you this real quick then off that. What would you guys think about if you do bring one of those names, maybe not Williams or Godwin that Paul mentioned, bring one of those free agents and re-sign Christian Kirk? Or is it one or the other? Well, I, I don't, again, it would depend on what you're doing. I mean, if you can get, and I'm just ma- naming names and, and maybe he would throw up at this. You know him better than me, Danny, but Michael Gallup. If you can get Michael Gallup for a one-year, six million prove it deal coming off the ACL, and then you get Christian Kirk at nine or ten million dollars a year, you might be able to make that work. But that's a lot of money, especially when you've got Rondale Moore, who you're expecting to have a big role. I mean, Rondale Moore is going to be your third receiver. So if do you bring back Christian Kirk and sign a guy and also have Rondale Moore in there? I mean, could you use all those receivers? Absolutely. But can you afford to have that much of your cap going towards all that, knowing that they may not? I mean, if you're Michael Gallup, do you want to come here when you need to prove it and you may only be the third receiver or fourth receiver? You're not doing that. So um, that that would be that would be the issue with that. I mean, the, the convincing the players to come here in that scenario would be tougher. Because remember, right now, DeAndre Hopkins' salary goes from $12.5 million to just over $25 million in 2022. Now, whether they try and rework that, like a lot of teams have already started to do, uh, stay tuned on that one. I don't know. That's complete speculation. But to Darren's point, yeah, you have a significant chunk of the $208 million cap is what it's projected to be at right now, going to your premier number one receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. So, I mean, and again, like when we're when they signed when they signed AJ Green last year, uh, I know nobody wanted to believe it, but at that point, I was convinced 
I was convinced that there was going to be no Larry Fitzgerald because why would AJ Green come here on a one-year deal when he still thinks he probably has a few years left on a kind of a prove-it situation when you might have to be battling Larry Fitzgerald for, for passes. And that's, that's the thing. Ultimately, it's not just the, the Hopkins money, which is obviously really important. But again, you, you, you got to have enough, you got to have enough footballs for everybody. And if you're paying them the money that you would pay them to be getting the football, you want to make sure they're going to get the football. You're not bringing back Christian Kirk at $10 million a year. If you don't expect him to get a significant, significant amount of targets. Honestly, my, my bigger fear in terms of the position group, going back to the original question, would be edge rusher. Because if you believe some of these free agent rankings that are out there on Chandler Jones, he's been top 10 in almost every free agent ranking. So if that dictates there's going to be at least one team out there to give Chandler Jones some big money that the Cardinals won't be able to match, then what do you do for a premier edge rusher? Do you sit at 23 and hope you get your guy? Or do you go into the free agent market and target, I took a quick look right before we got on here with Cardinals Underground. There's Emmanuel Ogba from, from Miami, Harold Landry from Tennessee, Randy Gregory there. Of course, he had knee surgery after the season. Uh, Hassan Reddick, dot, dot, dot. Melvin Ingram, <laughs> who went from the Steelers to KC and actually really finished strong after he, got, he fell into disfavor with the Steelers. I mean, he could go after a Jerry Hughes, who's age 34, spent his career with the Bills. But, you know, Danny, that, that's why I wonder if I'm Steve Kime right now, I'm asking myself, okay, it's all about the quarterback and getting to the quarterback. What do we do if Chandler Jones isn't back in 2022? Yeah, and I would imagine at this point you're having to look at all those options and have a contingency plan if he's not back. Um, that's that's one of the trickiest positions, I think, for the Cardinals this offseason. Because you're right, if you, if you bring Chandler Jones back, then yeah, you're set. You liked the way that Marcus Golden played this year and having Chandler Jones there. But if you don't have Chandler Jones, that is a huge gap, arguably the biggest hole to fill on this team. So you would imagine that as the contingency plan for that, that the Cardinals are probably looking at a lot of these edge rushers here at the combine, getting ready for the draft, making sure they have those options and also probably taking a good look at the other free agents that are going to be hitting the market. Because if they don't have Chandler Jones, that, that to me is number one priority for this team this off season. By the way, here's my hot take. It wouldn't be a Cardinals underground without a hot take. How about Calais Campbell coming back to the Cardinals at age 36? How about Calais Campbell pulling a Carlos Dansby coming in? They need depth on that D-line. They need the leadership, obviously. What about the big man, Calais Campbell, Darren, coming back to the Cardinals on a one-year deal? I would, I would love for that to happen. I don't know if he will, uh, but obviously I don't, I don't think you're going to find anybody who worked with Calais that wouldn't love to work with him again with the Cardinals. Um, you know, whether that's a, what you need to decide on that with, with Calais is, um, you know, to me, I'll be honest, that's one of those ones where like, if you decide to move on from Corey Peters, Calais makes kind of fits that void of the veteran who may not be, you know, an every down guy anymore. Um, if you decide to bring back Corey Peters, which, as we saw last year, Corey Peters might be a guy that you sign later in the offseason if you prefer. Um, then that that would be a tell to me. If if we find out that Corey Peters is re-signed, that would tell me Clayus Campbell's not coming here. Because 
all due respect to Calais at this point in his career and to Corey Peters, um, I don't think you want too many of those guys in your rotation at this point. Well, just to sweeten the pot for Calais, in case he's tuned in here to Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, our uh, Jim Ohandro is now on the record as saying there's an open invite for Calais to resume his position as host of the Big Red Rage. So there you go. He would be his fifth see, year. He, he would tie Bertrand Berry, by the way. The, the problem with that, though, Paul, is that if he does come back to host the Big Red Rage, that would uh, restart the clock for the Big Red Rage Hall of Fame. And you'd have to wait an additional five years to get in. Yeah. So I don't know if that's possible. Yeah. See, I'm always in favor of the Big Red Rage because we're sitting, as opposed to when I have to interview Calais when he's standing, which is never good for Paulie Pencilneck. So that's always – what. how are things at, at the Combine? I see all these stories, Danny, about how, you know, obviously things are going to be in prime time now. They're going to be pumping in music. I mean, this thing is more and more of an event and, and TV production right elements into this whole thing uh, i mean man what, what, what's it been like and what do you expect when this thing really kicks into gear yeah things have really changed over the last couple of years um you know the big thing is a lot of these interviews are now at night so these coaching staffs are going to have some late nights you've not only got workouts but you've got formal interviews going on uh, each team gets 45 interviews and each one's only 20 minutes. There's a lot they got to pack in there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's become a prime time event. And there's other things that, you know, have changed that affect the way teams are able to look at players. One of the big thing are those measurements. It used to be, you know, teams could have a ton of staff members and coaches and scouts in this big room and the player would go on a stage. And now every team gets, I think it's just four representatives. So you have to be very strategic on, okay, well, did this scout really get to see this player a lot throughout the fall? We want to have a chance for the coach to see them up close and in their measurements. And so a lot of decisions like that are being made. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it is interesting over the years how it's become a primetime event and these workouts and, you know, almost like the Pro Bowl in a sense of, you know, having all those, you know, workouts and everything at night for everybody to watch, you know, the 40 and, and all of that stuff. Uh, but at least for us, it's been, it's been fun for us so far. Uh, I think we're going to have some late nights coming up too, though. Yeah. They say the results and the interviews are going to be shown on the video boards, right? There's gonna be like 10,000 fans in attendance. They're selling tickets. Then again, Darren, as someone who's been going to the combine for what close to two decades, they say this also, probably will be the last year it's in Indianapolis. I saw one NFL official was, was quoted as saying, and I think this is ominous, and this is a harbinger, he said, well, you know what? The NFL draft really took off when they started moving it around to different cities. And so well, a lot of people yeah. took that comment as to think, well, guess what? The combine's going to be on the move, and they're going to continue to evolve and grow the event. Well, I a couple things. One, I'm I'm north of 20 combines, Paul. So please don't short me on all the combines I've been to. Um, I, it's funny because I, I mean the draft and the combine are two completely different things. I mean you can you can have a draft where everybody's in one room and there's nothing going on except everybody walking on stage or walking off, and you can make that work pretty easily. I I I'm still trying to figure out. It, it hasn't they have to open it up to have it be other places. Uh, right now, the possibility next year is the combine would either be in Dallas or would be in Los Angeles or would be back here in Indianapolis. Uh, and these cities are having to 
basically make their pitch in an essay of why it would make sense in their cities. Now, I know why it makes sense in Indianapolis. We're sitting here, Danny and I are in the same convention center, completely different places. There's places to, to work. Uh, you can walk to the stadium easily. It's all connected. There's like eight hotels all connected to this thing. Um, there's places because it's the convention center to do interviews, to, to do all the things that need to be done. And nobody necessarily needs to get in a car to do them. I don't know how that works in Dallas. Danny has a better idea about that, uh, that we were kind of talking about offline. I really don't know how you would do it in LA. You, you're not going to be able to do it at the stadiums. They don't have enough hotels near there to put everybody up and do you have places to go eat and how close are you to the medical? And I just don't know logistically how it works in those other two cities uh, as good as Indianapolis, but you're right. Uh, the bright lights of, of Dallas or LA are, are different than Indianapolis. And I'm sure that's part of the reason they're looking at this, but I, you know, I, I don't understand how you would find a place to do it better logistically than where we are right now. Yeah, I, I didn't realize, so I, I read a story because I've never attended the combine um, and that they have all the covered walkways. So regardless of the weather, people are able to walk around and get to the different spots and you don't need a car. Everything is so centrally located. And so, uh, yeah, the logistics of it, you're right. But to your point, it's between Dallas, Indy and L.A. For, for next year, for 2023 and 2024. So it looks like it's on the move. Been there in Indianapolis ever since its inception in 1987. Uh, speaking of longstanding uh, traditions, uh, have you been over to St. Elmo's Steakhouse there, Danny? Have you had the shrimp cocktail yet? Uh, I have before. We are going Thursday night. So we've got our reservation set. Uh, looking forward to it. I've been seeing lots of pictures from colleagues and friends that I have also out here who have already gone posting pictures. So uh, I'm definitely ready, but that is Thursday night. Looking forward to it. Well, our Jim Omohundro fine producer, um, he ate enough shrimp cocktail for the two of you combined. Okay. So he's just back from Indianapolis. And Darren, tell us why because of his famous father, who you featured in an article on azcardinals.com, and for good reason. Yeah, uh, John Omohundro, who was uh, a trainer for the Cardinals, uh, head athletic trainer for, uh, what is it, almost 37 of his 42 years, I believe. Uh, it was, uh, he got in, uh, in the inaugural class of the uh, Professional Athletic Trainers, uh, Professional Football Athletic Trainers Society, PFATS, uh, he's in the inaugural Hall of Fame class. So that, that was great news for John Omohundro. He deserved it. Uh, he was a, a stalwart uh, around the Cardinals for such a long time. Uh, got, the, got the nice walk-off in his retirement year because that was the year the Cardinals went to the Super Bowl. And uh, so that, that was a great honor for him. It was awesome that Jim got to be there uh, in person. Uh, unfortunately, the a ceremony was at the same time as Steve Kime talking yesterday, so I was not in, uh, but it, it's, a, it's a, a great thing. And um, again, when you start talking about the history of this team, um, there have been a lot of people that uh, behind the scenes that have really made their mark, and, and there's no question that John Omohundro was one of those guys. You just saw on Twitter how he got a shout out from all the old type, Ron Wolfley, Rob Fredrickson, all the guys who uh, once upon a time were in that training room and gave Johnny O a shout out. So that was outstanding all the way around. 
maybe while he was there, you know, it was an action-packed schedule. He should have checked out Kenny Pickett uh, because the Pitt quarterback I see here has double-jointed thumbs. And so he didn't – Danny, he didn't have his hand measured – at the senior bowl. And apparently um, he's been doing these joint mobility exercises with his double jointed thumbs before he's able to have his hand measured. I guess there's some apprehension there. He's trying to explain to everyone that my thumbs are double jointed. Hello. Yeah. It's a good thing that you can't see our faces on this podcast. Cause mine was kind of frozen and a gross, like, Oh, face while you were talking about it. <laughs> double jointed thumbs that whole time uh yeah that's pretty interesting look players have their own reasons he won't be the first player to opt out of doing something here whether it's like a certain measurement or workout whatever uh but hand size matters a guys unique, it's a unique um i don't know if i would say skill personality trait. i don't know if you don't have enough thumb, hands, you, can, you know i was gonna say if you don't have big enough hands you can't hold the football that's what that's what the concern is I don't think I don't think the double jointed. I mean, the, he brought up the double jointedness, but part of the reason he brought it up originally at the Senior Bowl was because he did have his hands measured, and everybody freaked out. It's like a vice grip with a double jointed thumb. You know, you can really get some extra support there. Perhaps I don't know. Well, if it's an asset or a <laughs> is it an asset or a detriment? I have no idea. Just as long as you don't fumble, you're all good. Yeah, that's right. Okay. All right. So Darren, what else, you know, what else has stood out, uh, you know, as, as someone who I stand corrected has been going to the combine for 20 plus years and else we need to know on this edition of Cardinals underground. Uh, no, I think, uh, the, the news of the first two days wasn't enough for you, Paul. I mean, I feel exhausted <laughs> and it's like, I feel like I barely talked about anything combine related. It's all been Cardinals related. Yeah. You're right. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, to what degree did the two of you get bombarded by your your colleagues in the media? Right. I'm sure you you fielded a lot of questions, the two of you, about what's been going on this offseason so far. Correct. Yeah, that that is a correct statement. I <laughs> yeah, especially seeing a lot of uh, colleagues from other teams and whatnot here. Everyone wants to know what's going on. <laughs> it is funny though this but you morning, know what? every I, every team has their own thing right so it that's true I, I it's funny this morning or not this morning was this afternoon for us uh a friend of mine uh who had been he left uh i had last seen him right before the cliff and uh kime news broke uh and he finally got back like four hours back to where we're sitting in the workroom and he's like how's it going i'm like well it's been kind of a long morning he's like what are you talking about and i told him about Kyman Kingsbury and he knew nothing about it and you forget that like he was busy with his own team stuff and it's it's not super news necessarily to everybody no yeah okay all right well uh we'll let you guys go on this edition of Cardinals Underground at any moment you might actually be connecting with those two decision makers and getting their thoughts and reactions to the contract extensions through 2027. In fact, may I say that if you do head over to St. Elmo's Steakhouse, maybe put it on their tab. They probably have a running tab in light of the recent contract extension. They'll barely notice if you if you add your tab to theirs. And they'll be more yeah, than Yeah, we'll let them know it was your idea, Paul. Your <laughs> idea. We'll be sure right, to name drop you. We're going to put together all our per diems and we'll be able to share one meal. So that's how it's going to go. <laughs> All right, there you go. That'll be this combined edition of Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.